eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ten teams, five World Cup spots, and two nail-biting match days to decide who goes to Qatar. A West African grudge match like no other as Ghana and Nigeria lock horns. A shot at redemption for Cameroon and Algeria. And a repeat of this year's AFCON final as Egypt look for revenge over Senegal. I'm covering those, but I can't do it alone. I need the team. The team is back. Michael Lahou, Tozen McKinney, and Meyer Mizahi, they are all here. The Kegolasso final round of African World Cup qualifying preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolasso, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso, Kegolasso pod on Twitter, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. Well, Africa Cup of Nation was absolute chaos. It was beautiful, entertaining, and our preview delivered with these three. We had to get them back because the World Cup qualifiers are no different. Let's first begin with Tosin McKinney, Nigerian scams, our very own from CBS Sports Golasso. How are you, brother? I'm nervous, but I'm great. How are you? <laughs> As a Peruvian, because uh, we're taping on Thursday, I can relate, my friend. Uh, so yeah. welcome, obviously, Tosin, part of our CBS Sports family, Michael LaHood. What's up, man? How are you? I'm the total opposite of Tosin. I'm relaxed because my team, we just eat popcorn at home and enjoy these qualifiers. <laughs> That's true. All you need to do is just chill and sit back and relax. And it's great to have Meyer Masahi back. Meyer, I got to tell you, your uh, coverage for the tournament back in January was absolutely fantastic. I really commend you, all the stuff you did for The Athletic. How are you, my friend? Doing good, doing good. More, uh, I'm kind of feeling the same as Tosin, a little less like my, like Mike, but thank you for, for the kind words and uh, <laughs> looking forward to speaking about all the matches with you all. <laughs> love it, love it. So we got the three, of course, and we'll be talking about all the games. You know the drill. This is definitely uh, one of the toughest ways to try and get into the World Cup, primarily because really in many ways, you know, you make it to this point in the playoff scenario and you kind of deserve to be at the World Cup with everything that you've gone through the past few years, but that's not how it is. So we begin, of course, with the final that was in the Africa Cup of Nations. Meyer, I'm going to begin with you because obviously Egypt are looking for some revenge here and Senegal was looking some some stats, my friend, and I was very impressed because after all the flair and glare, Sadio Mane, et cetera, et cetera, it's really defensively where they look good. They know they were never behind in the tournament, so now they're looking again to fight this game. Uh, I remember Sadio Mane thinking, you know, we know what they're going to bring. They're going to be angry. How do you see this game as Egypt and Senegal face each other once again? Look, 
In the final, Egypt felt hard done by because they had played three consecutive matches of 120 minutes. They went to extra time in all of their knockout matches. They were dealing with two or three injuries. Uh, the midfielder, Hamdi Fathi, and then uh, one of their defenders, Mahmoud Hamdi Lwench, the goalkeeper, Mohamed Al-Shinawi was out. Of course, they had a replacement goalkeeper, uh, Gabeski, who was great in penalty shootouts. So they felt like they were more fatigued than Senegal. They dealt with more injuries in Senegal. And even their coach, Carlos Queiroz, was not available for the final. He had been suspended with a red card. This time around, they have way more resources. They're going to have 64,000 strong in the Cairo International Stadium, which can be one of the most intimidating atmospheres on the continent. And I think they're going to feel a little more confident that they can at least get a result at home. So I think Egypt is going to be a little more confident. And I'm a little bit wary that Senegal might be on a little bit of a hangover from finally winning that first AFCON. You saw what the, the party scenes looked like in Senegal. They were fantastic. I'm not too worried about the Senegalese team because – they have depth on their side. I hear what you're saying about the hangover. That's classic. And we see that so many times with crown champions from continental tournaments, but because they have depth and because they have so many players playing at the highest leagues and the highest levels around the world, I have a bit more confidence and I, I don't have that worry. I think the biggest worry is on Egypt's side, because if they give up a goal in this first leg, there's so much pressure on them to deliver. Yes. Anger, revenge, those are things that carry you in that first 30-minute spell. But the longer this game goes nil-nil, all of Cairo, all of Egypt are going to be very nervy. I agree with uh, Mike because, listen, Egypt, they traditionally don't qualify for World Cups. They know this in themselves. The fans know it too. I mean, outside of 2018, the last time they qualified for World Cup was 1990. So they'll beat everybody up on the continental side. And then when it comes to like the actual World Cup, they don't qualify. I think now Senegal's got a taste of winning. They're like, we want this and we want to continue this. So I think Senegal, to me, they're favorites. So that's just kind of honestly, it's just like, hey, we know we beat you before. Now try and beat us. So that's kind of where I see it with Senegal. Yeah, there's a two and two here situation because I'm more with Meyer. I think being in Cairo, I think Egypt kind of uh, re-energizing themselves and learning the mistakes from the final might help them. But good point, it's Senegal. They're so yeah. talented all over and they know what to expect. Let's go to predictions here. Let's go back to you, Meyer. What do you see here? Come on, be gutsy now. What do you see in this game? Yeah, I think... I think Egypt are going to have just about enough to pull this off. I, either way, it's going to be tight, but I think Egypt, are, it's just going to be one goal in it. And I think Egypt with the, the Cairo International Stadium might just have the advantage. I hear that, and I'm going for a draw. I know I didn't bring my gutsy pants on today. <laughs> I'm going for a draw. You're wearing pants, though, Michael, right? I just want to make sure. Hey, you know what, Des? Keep the camera up. Keep the camera up. Please, please. This is a family show. No, I'm going for a 1-1 draw. I think Egypt get the goal, but Senegal, they just have too much quality in the attacking third. I think the hangover will show itself in the first half, especially that first 30 minutes. But 1-1, Senegal, and who knew Mane will probably get the goal. Or Sar, Ismail Sar, he was another standout from AFCON. Tosin? Just gonna go bold and say Senegal's gonna they're gonna win in general. Um, both legs they're gonna win and it just is what it is. Um, if Egypt wins, then I won't be shocked. But I'm really gonna go for Senegal to win. Um, they're gonna they're gonna go to the World Cup this year. So all right, well, well, I'm gonna go with an Egypt win just to make it nice and balanced. So let's uh, let's keep it, but let's keep it moving, everybody. Cameroon against Algeria. Rigobert song, by the way. Oh, the great Rigobert song. So good to see him. Uh, as he takes the reins uh, 
from the uh, for the indomitable lines after Antonio Conceicao, uh, you know, basically done after the disappointment that was Afcon, of course, uh, from Algeria's perspective, uh, you know, some uh, interesting omissions there. Uh, Said Ben Rama from, uh, you know, uh, West Ham is not there. Baghdad Bounidash as well not there. So I- I'm intrigued. Obviously, you know what? Actually. Meyer, I'll come to you in a second. Obviously, Algeria is a massive uh, story here. But as I'm looking at uh, back at Algeria's performance, you know, which was obviously disappointing in the tournament, Michael, it wasn't as bad in terms of what I was seeing on the pitch as I thought originally. How do you see them facing this Cameroon side that looks, uh, I guess, ready to take some action? I think going into AFCON, what Algeria had on their side that they just succumbed to in the end was winning AFCON, but then expecting everyone to just roll over and give the games to him. And I'm, I'm looking at you, Sierra Leone. Thank you for making me proud to be Sierra Leonean and putting them Yep, my dog agrees too. Yeah. But um, I think now that they've gotten that out of their system, they will be highly motivated because the key players for them did not step up. Riyad Mahrez, we know he's their talisman, but Slimani, He's been active in this World Cup, leading all goal scorers with seven goals. He was pedestrian, and I'm shocked at the Panorama omission because he's a player in form for West Ham doing it in England and in Europe. So that that might be something that, that comes to bite them back in the, the backside. But uh, so far, I like what I'm seeing from Algeria in terms of they've got this out of their system, and they will be highly motivated. I agree with Mike. Um, I think Algeria kind of got a punch in the face, and like it's like, well, okay, well, we are mortal, so – for them, they want to bounce back. But I look at it like this, like Cameroon also has two of their legends in charge. So the top goal scorer of all time is part of the team. Rigobert Song, the most caps appearances there. So it's like, you don't want to disappoint your uncles effectively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to disappoint your uncles. And the worst part for Cameroon, though, and I think Algeria will take advantage of this, is Anguisa is out. And we all know how good Anguisa is. We've seen it in Syria. We've seen it in AFCON. So that's a big blow for them to miss Anguisa. So... Yeah, uh, like, like the two mentioned, you know, bringing Rigobert Song was a gamble, and Samuel Eto pushed to bring in Rigobert Song. Uh, the sports minister, uh, Narcisse Moelkombi, actually was fighting back against it, and Samuel Eto went to the president of the republic. He went to the president of Cameroon, of Paul Bia, to get this to get this coaching appointment in. So he's sort of putting his neck on the line. And Rigobert Song has some coaching experience with the Olympic uh, Cameroon Olympic team. It wasn't great. So I think this is going to be a little bit of a gamble on their part. And as Tosin mentioned, they don't have Nkisa. They also are missing their winger, uh, Mumin Gamalo, who started all the matches for them, except for that third-place match uh, where they rested some of their starters in Cameroon. Uh, for Algeria, uh, all the journalists were asking the coach and the players, you know, are you guys superstitious? Because you're going back to Douala, where basically Algeria had uh, lost uh, two matches. No, sorry, drawn two and lost one. No, sorry, lost two and drawn one, yeah. So are, are you superstitious? Riyad Mahrez says, I don't care about Japoma Stadium. The coach said, we, ha- we weren't traumatized by Japoma Stadium in Douala. We were traumatized by the state of the pitch in Japoma Stadium in Douala. So uh, Algeria going in with like a, a siege mentality. They know they have to get a decent result. If they can bring back, a, a, you know, even like a one goal a loss or a draw from Cameroon back to Algeria, where they're going to be playing in Blida, where they haven't lost in more than 40 matches in the stadium and be this a record that goes back to 2004, I think they'll be fairly confident. So I think Algeria gets squeaks through, but it's going to be very tight 51, 49, 50, 50, something like that. Very quickly back mm-hmm. to you, Mar, just very quickly. 
how like what went wrong for Algeria at AFCON and, and what's going to be the difference in this situation? Because, you know, to everybody's point, Tozan said it, Michael said it, my, Cameroon also have a lot at stake that, you know, and they're going for a record extending eighth appearance at the World Cup. They want this. They want this badly. So what went wrong for Algeria at the tournament? How can it be fixed this time around? A lot of different things went wrong and Algeria complained about everything and uh, the excuses are never valid, but like they claimed, uh, complained about the state of the pitch, the humidity and the fact that they had arrived in Cameroon so late, just, a, you know, a few days before the tournament started uh, because of the COVID protocols and, you know, uh, the fact that European clubs were not letting the players go until very late. But those are conditions that everybody had to deal with. It wasn't solely the Algerian national team. There were other elements of disorganization. Uh, Riyad Mahrez was given a three-day holiday before joining the team where he went to the UAE and got married to Taylor Ward. And that was a huge controversy in Algeria instead of joining up with his teammates. So there was seen a, a little bit of um, a lack of organization, a little bit of a lack of discipline, the exact opposite of what happened in 2019. Mm. Coach seems to think he has things uh, straightened out now. We'll see. I don't know. I just feel if I'm going to make a prediction, I'm going to be bold. I think Cameroon is going to win. I know Maya doesn't want me to hear say that, but <laughs> no, no. I just, I just like I said, like you, we all know what it's like to disappoint your uncles, and like for them, like you're going to be playing in front of Ricky. It's Best such Ball, a like, South American thing, too, by the way. Like, yeah, yeah. your like, steals, you don't want to get them upset, and it's the same thing in Africa, I guess. You don't want to disappoint them. And and the uncle, the other one, is only 45 years old, so he's still energetic enough to. Uh, to really be angry. <laughs> and we all know who Cameroon's president is. I'm not going to go into too much. Detail, <laughs> yeah. But we all know who he is. And you don't want to disappoint that guy. So and I'm going to go for Cameroon win. Des Norris is saying we should get your uncles on the show next time, Tosin. <laughs> get my dad. Get my dad. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Michael, final thoughts on this game as Cameroon and Algeria face each other. Uh, it's twofold. Regarding Cameroon, I think they have so much talent, and, and Gisa will be a big loss, but Carl Toko Kembe, he was a standout from AFCON, and he's a player that doesn't get enough love. I don't think he gets enough love for what he does for Lyon this season, and I don't think he gets enough love for what he does for Cameroon because Vincent Abubakar has shown very brightly for them as mm -hmm. late. But their their weakest link is their goalkeeper, Onana, who was involved in a horrific car crash a couple of days ago. So hopefully he'll continue to be okay. But if he plays Onana has been, he just seems distracted with what's going on at the club level with Ajax enter. Will he stay? Will he go? And I think that's really having an impact. Onana's weakness is coming out for crosses. It cost Ajax the champions league against Benfica. And I think that will have a part to play predictions. I think Cameroon will win two one and Onana will be part of the headlines with giving up a goal or being at cost for something. And like I said, my dogs do agree again. <laughs> <laughs> this is an intriguing one. It's very, it's very tough. Meyer, what do you think? I'm, I'm leaning towards Algeria. If, if they keep it tight in the very beginning, how do you see it? Yeah, same, same as you. Honestly, this one is so tight. It's 50-50, 51-49. Either way, it's going to be determined by the little details. You know, uh, who's going to make a mistake? Who's going to be able to keep their concentration throughout the entire 180 minutes? So I think... Uh, for me, like you guys say, it's gonna—it's—it's it's a very thin line. I, because I'm Algerian, I'm gonna say Algeria is gonna take it through, but I can completely understand anybody that thinks Cameroon's gonna gonna qualify. Yeah, and Tosin, you're sticking with Cameroon, of course. You can't—you can't upset the uncles. That's true. And Michael, you're going with Cameroon as well. Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm going with Cameroon. I—I I think Cameroon will have just a little bit more quality and they have momentum on their side coming from AFCON and more players in form. And I, I do think Onana will make it interesting with some blunder of sorts.
Yeah, well, there will be a record uh, eighth time appearance at the World Cup for Cameroon if it's to be the case. We're going to take a break because Tosin McKinley needs to do some push-ups because we're going to talk about Nigeria next, of course, as they face Ghana as well. It's going to be quite a derby, I think. Woo, 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 baby. Africa World Cup qualifiers. Tosin McKinney, Michael Lahoud, Myra Masahi, LME will be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Africa World Cup qualifiers. Uh, some real tasty matchups here with Tosin McKinney, Michael LaHood, Myron Masahi. Let's go, Tosin McKinney, to your Nigerians as they face Ghana. By the way, the last eight meetings in this game, four draws, two wins apiece. But there's some good news for Nigeria, this talented Nigerian side who looked so hot at the beginning of Africa Cup of Nations. But now they have Igalo, Victor Rossum, and Emmanuel Dennis all returning. Ooh, baby. I'm excited. I know you're nervous, Tozen. Talk to me. Yeah. So the reason why I wore this jersey is because this is what we wore AFCON and also have this one as well. Just to show everybody. So, That's a beauty. Look yeah. at that. My yeah. hero, so, JJ Okocha, man. So yeah. good they named him twice, baby. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm cautiously excited. Uh, the more I watch our team, like we got, we're starting to like finally fill out pieces. Um, Calvin Bassey, who I think is actually the most underrated one that we called up. Calvin Bassey plays for Rangers. Um, Super, super talented kid. But to have Osman back, um, he's in form. He scored four goals in his last two games for Napoli. Um, mm -hmm. Emmanuel Dennis, we've seen what he's doing in the Premier League. Moses Simons, uh, he actually was – what he's been doing to teams in France is just insane. Um, so I'm excited about our front three. It's just, again, like I tell, like I say all the time, our midfield is bad. Um, and Didi's out. We did call up Innocent Bonke, who plays in League On. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I feel, you know, with Ghana, we can't predict this. Like, there's no stats. This is just straight up this <laughs> – just vibes and chaos. <laughs> yeah, I love price, chaos, and vibes. That's all it is. That's all that is. Well, you can throw plantains and fufu in there because this is the fufu, the the fufu cup. Of course, you know, between these two teams, the jam, all of that, more and more, all of it. It's all, it's all, it's all there. We all basically. <laughs> well, I think Ghana is going to need a, a heavy plate of jell-off because I'm worried about this Ghanaian team. They have internal turmoil. They did get a new manager in Ato Ado. So new managers can often breathe new life and bring the team together, but they're missing a big piece up top. Who's going to score their goals? One of the IU brothers will not be participating in this in the big doubt. And for Nigeria, the question mark I have is how are you going to fit all these attacking players in? Osaman, I agree with you is their biggest piece. He is a talent, and I don't expect him to be playing in Syria 
much longer, whether it be at least for, for the team he plays for Napoli. Um, I think he's going to get a big move, whether it's to stay in Serie A, one of the bigger clubs or abroad somewhere else. And he's going to be the big focal point. But oh, man, this Ghanaian team, just too much going against them right now. Too many distractions. Yeah. I've, oh man, Osman is also a focal point for me too. I've watched a lot of him since the AFCON finished. And what impresses me most about him when he plays for Napoli is how hungry he is to score, how angry he gets at his teammates, you know, if they mess something up. I love that kind of attitude that he has. And I think that kind of drive, that ambition is really going to spur Nigeria forward. Um, but if Nigeria are lacking in midfield, I think that's where Ghana has to win this tie. Thomas Partey, since the AFCON, exceptional for Arsenal. And they're also going to be uh, returning Mohamed Kudus from Ajax, uh, who's going to have to, a very, very big role to play in this tie. So I think if Ghana are to beat Nigeria, who for me are miles better on paper uh, and also aren't dealing with as much dysfunction, they're going to have to do it in midfield. Yeah, there's so much dysfunction in this game because, first of all, the roster for Ghana wasn't announced until, like, I don't know, like five minutes before the game. Has to games, be played. Games. Right. The venue, the venue had to be approved by FIFA like uh, a week before the, the, the match itself. There's just so many things. You mentioned, of course, Michael, as well, about the fact that Andre Ayo as well is suspended. This is everything is pointing, Tozen, to a Nigeria win but when we say that toast and mckinney <laughs> i feel nigerians get even more nervous dare i say you give me a prediction yeah of course we're gonna be gonna i'm not there even gonna go. say we're gonna be gonna come on now we're gonna be there them you in go. legs. we're gonna, there gonna, you gonna go. we're gonna come asking to beat them we're gonna go we're gonna take them to Abuja, beat them again so it, i'm not i'm just i'm never not gonna back nigeria um, the one thing that I do love Nigeria has done is bring Emmanuel Monique, um, one of our legendary players, um, mm -hmm. scored twice in 94 World Cup and scored twice in the AFCON final as well. Um, so he's the more tactical mind. Elgar wants the vibes and, and Monique is the the, the the tactical guy. And the thing is, he's actually coached Osman and he coached Chikaweze. So he has a good rapport with like some of our core players. So I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm very, very excited for this. Mm -hmm. Tosin, I, I wish I could go and hit a direct flight here from America straight to Lagos and visit the local shaman to just put that good juju for Nigeria to go through. But I've just seen time and time again, Nigeria, when the pressure gets too hot, something goes awry on paper. They yeah. should steamroll this Ghanaian team. And I'm sorry, man. I know, well, we, we did Nigerian spams before Nigerian scams. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise some people. I'm going Ghana. Wow. You're going to do toast this. like that. Wow. I, I know, worry. man. I'm when, sorry. When we win, I'll find you. Don't worry. <laughs> please, please, please leave, leave me, my family, my unborn kids out of this on Twitter. And your dog. I know, I know how savage. <laughs> no, no. But I'm, I'm going Ghana. It just TIA, man. This is Africa. Whatever can happen will happen, especially in the World Cup playoffs. Yeah, and Kumasi is, you know, they, they had a similar uh, format for the 2014 World Cup qualifying, and Ghana there smacked Egypt 6-1. So, the, you know, Ghana feels very comfortable in that venue at home. Um, I don't expect them scoring six goals here, especially without the IU brothers. So I'm also going to go with, I'm going to go with Tosin. Fly Super Eagles, fly. They're better on paper, less dysfunction. That home return leg, playing second, playing at home in the return leg, I think is going to be a big, big advantage in many of these ties. And so I think Nigeria goes through. Yeah, just keep it respectable in that first leg. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, let's move on here and let's talk about Mali 
against Tunisia. We know how talented this uh, Mali side is and history awaits for them, really, as they look to upset, uh, upset Tunisia and reach the World Cup. It's unbelievable. But, you know, they return home, uh, you know, after playing World Cup qualifying home games in Morocco. So that's good for them. So they're looking for their first World Cup appearance despite recent successes at youth level. Back-to-back AFCON Under-17 wins, runners-up in the Under-17 World Cup, third place finish at Under-20 World Cup. It's pretty good. And for Tunisia, they have a new manager in Jalal Kadri. Um, so let's be, let's go with you, Mara. How, how do you see this game? We know the Mali talent is plentiful, but the Tunisian experience is also something that can be disregarded. How do you see this one? That's the nail on the head right there, honestly. Mali, and anybody can tell you, they have a litany of central midfielders. So, so many good central midfielders. And they added another one. They went and they recruited Everton's Abdoulaye Dukure, who's going to be making his debut for Mali uh, this time around. So I don't know how many central midfielders they can play with, maybe like a, a 3-6-1 or, I don't know, a 2-7-1 or something. But they're probably going to – that midfield battle is one to watch because even Tunisia, they have Elias Khiri. He's um, uh, FC Colon's uh, best midfielder, really. He's their captain over there in Germany. He's a very, very good Tunisian. And, and their midfield is quite good as well. So it's going to be another good uh, midfield battle. As you mentioned, bringing in a new coach after the AFCON, that was very controversial because you only have a, a month, a month and a half to prepare. This is the former assistant coach. So he was at the AFCON, so he knows the group well. Yeah, he knows the he players knows well. He knows the system. Yeah. Exactly. You can expect some kind of continuity. That said, uh, here I, I feel like Mali are a little bit stronger. And they're actually – I'm going to bring some a little bit of politics into this. They're high, surfing on very high – patriotic sentiment at home uh, under this new uh, military, let's call it a regime or authorities or whatever the case may be. Uh, a lot of patriotic sentiment. They have a newly renovated March 26 stadium in Bamako and they're playing a little bit of mind games as well. They didn't let the Tunisians visit this new stadium to, to inspect the pitch and inspect the venue uh, until today. So uh, I think Mali are going are gonna to pip this one, but it's going to be tight as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mali as well. Um, you know, adding Decore to that midfield is just silly. Like, I mean, you already seen the players they have, and we've seen what Decore does. Um, so, you know, I'm a big fan of Hannibal Medjury. That's my guy for Tunisia, and I really want him to go to World Cup. But listen, that Mali team, it's it's about time. Um, this is a team that had Frederick Canute. Um, they had so many talented players. They've never been to a World Cup, and it would be so nice to see Mali at a World Cup finally. So, yeah, he's Bisuma, Hedaira, of course, Amasuku, uh, Muhammad Kamar. It's just, it's just a plentiful. How do you see this one, uh, ML? Uh, I'm going to continue the Malayan tidal wave and keep it going strong. It, Mali should win this game. I, I think they will win this game. And a, a player who's a wild card had a strong start to the season is Adama Traore. He's, he's winger applying his trade in Moldova. Who knew... Moldova emerging is one of the soccer gems with Sharif making their Champions League bow and doing well and re- representing themselves well on the club level. But Kone, if he's to do it, he needs more support from the midfield. Yes, they have a lot of central midfielders. They're going to have to step up big time. Wingers, central midfielders going to have to step up big time to support a, a good target striker in Kone. I like to sometimes go with experience, but the time is now. And Tunisia, they've had a good run, continuity, good group that's stuck together. But I like Mali in this one. And they know what's up. I mean, Mali has won. They won all three group games in Morocco, not even at the country, with a goal differential of seven to nothing. Like They know what's up. And now that they're home, uh, it should be enough. So I agree. All of us are going with Mali here. Anything to add? Go ahead, Mar. Very quickly. They beat Tunisia at the last African Cup of Nations, 1-0. They were dominating there. So, yeah. 
course. Yep. Everything points, which means obviously <laughs> chaos ensues and we'll all be wrong. All right, let's uh, let's move to one that uh, a lot of us here are very excited about, by the way, DR Congo against Morocco. And, you know, the hosts looking to end quite a drought here. The last time they were at the World Cup was 1974. They were Zaire back then, of course. Uh, it wasn't a, a great campaign, but they made it nonetheless. And now they're looking to make it. Um, they breezed through the qualifiers, by the way, 18 points from 18, but all their games were played at home. Uh, but they have an Argentinian manager, an Hector Cooper, continuing that trend of uh, good Argentinian managers taking care of teams that needed, aka Peru. All right, so let's talk about this game as dear Congo host Morocco. Uh, quite a good one here. Let's go with you, Tozen, because I know that me and you were talking about how cool it would be. Yeah. To see them at the World Cup. Yeah, so fun fact, the last time that DR Congo qualified for a World Cup, Muhammad Ali was fighting <laughs> the rumble in the jungle. So amazing. Yeah, if you want to know how old that's been, um, but <laughs> I'm a big fan of this Congolese team. Um, they have some good players that I like. Uh, Masawaku's there, Gail Kakuta's there, um, Wissa from Brentford is there, uh, Cedric Wakambuzo, Yannick Bolasi as well. So they got a lot of talent. I mean, oh, Yannick Bolasi. Yeah, yeah, so for me, I just feel they're going to shock. Uh, they're going to shock Morocco. Morocco right now have a little bit of trouble in their in their camp. I mean, Hakim Ziyech retired. Maserati was like, nah, I'm not coming up. And <laughs> them and their coach are kind of having beef. And then it doesn't help that their best player, their right back, is also having issues with PSG. Apparently, he wants to leave PSG. So, I don't know. It's it's looking a bit sticky for Morocco. I mean, so I feel if the time is right, the time right now is for Congo to strike hot. I mean, listen, you guys got it. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm back in Congo. Um, I know it sounds insane to say that, but hey, listen, I'm going to back DL Congo. That's going to be my team win and shot, make a big shot. So Flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You got to <laughs> yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah Congo are, are a weird one because they're the only team that didn't qualify for the AFCON out of, out of these 10 teams. Right. Uh, so we don't really have a great handle on who they are, really, because we didn't really get to watch them a month and a half ago. That said, uh, Hector Cooper, when he was the coach of Egypt, was criticized for his, a horrible defensive style. And I really hope he doesn't drag that into the, the Congolese national team because they have really good strikers like, like Tosin uh, mentioned, Cedric Bakambu, Jim Marcian Bokani, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, he, Tosin is also right to mention that Morocco's coach is skating on thin ice. The fact that he, he he's beefing with Hakim Ziyech and Nusser Mazraoui from Ajax, uh, Moroccan fans are not happy, especially after the premature exit at the African Cup of Nations. If he loses, he knows he's out. His job is on the line. He said in Morocco that they're going to have to score a goal away from home in, in Kinshasa. That's going to be tough. If they can do that, I think Morocco will be able to win this. But going and playing in Kinshasa in that stadium that they call the Stade des Martyrs, the Martyr Stadium, is so, 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 so difficult. And, and there's just like, you know, in this home and away format, there's always these home field advantages. Uh, Morocco were angry that, for example, when they arrived in Kinshasa two days ago, there was no delegation to sort of welcome them. Uh, fans could like run up and like snap, you know, pictures of, of Moroccan players and yell in their faces and tell them, you guys are going to lose 2 0. And, and that the two buses that they rented out to take them from the airport to the hotel simult simultaneously broke down suspiciously. These things are going to happen. And it makes going and playing in Congo very, very difficult. So, again, it all depends on that first match because I know Morocco are going to have a positive result at home. But if they can score a goal like the coach wants them to in Kinshasa, then they can go through. So I'm slightly leaning, to, slightly leaning towards Morocco. Mm. So I, I've played a few matches in Congo 
And I love, well, at the time as a player, I did not like the name of that stadium because I can tell you from firsthand uh, what it feels like to be a martyr on that field. Congo, when they play at home, they bring it. The entire country is behind them. And it feels like there's 14 players, not 11, on the field. And those mind games, those luxuries that you're used to, as a footballer, when you arrive there, they go out the window. So I'm I'm laughing to myself because I'm having flashbacks of being in Congo and thinking, where's the toilet paper, let alone the running water, let alone all these little things that you take for granted. But in AFCON or AFCON in CAF at this stage in World Cup qualification, if you're arriving to the first match and you're already complaining, those little things that are getting to you, you've already lost. There's too much drama going on behind the scenes in your locker room to begin with. And now you're complaining about the bus, complaining about, oh, we don't have you know the privacy. People can come up to us. Get out of here, man. Go back to Europe. Go back home. Morocco, you took an L before the game already started. I'm going with Congo. Yeah, you can't do that in Africa. You cannot lose the game mentally because it's already done physically. Yeah, you got to just show whatever's up. I, I mean, I did that to Nigeria today. They yeah. uh, had the uh, plane and they didn't have a good, our players had to literally jump out the plane onto the thing. And we know what it is. Man. That's just my thing. And we'll do the same thing to them when they come to Abuja. So that's, that's, that's the thing. thing. It, it, it's, it's a tough one. All right. So I guess, uh, well, let's go around the predictions once more time. I, I am going to be a romantic here and hope that the Air Congo. Uh, gets it done. Tosin, I believe you're with me. So are you, Michael? Uh, Meyer, you you were leaning towards Morocco? Yeah, I think Morocco's going to do it. They just have slightly more quality, in my opinion. Well, there you have it. Uh, it should be quite an interesting one. But that's it. That's uh, all the games. Listen, I'm not kidding when I tell you these games in Africa are so fantastic, thrilling, entertaining, chaotic, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have all three, Tozen McKinney, Michael LaHood, Myra Mazahi. Final thoughts before we say goodbye. You can go anywhere here as we discuss and wrap up the Africa World Cup qualifiers. Myra, let's begin with you. Final thoughts, buddy. I'm just going to make an elevator pitch. For me, after the African Cup of Nations, this is my favorite kind of international football. You have to turn on your TV set and watch these matches because you're two matches away from the World Cup. And for some of these countries, think about the DR Congo that we just spoke about. They haven't been there since 1974. And they have 180 minutes to determine that destiny. So there's so much tension. There's so much drama. Like There's so much intensity in every single minute of football that is played. So I think, if anything, if you have some time this weekend or or on Tuesday morning or afternoon, wherever you are, I would say definitely tune into these matches because they're assured, guaranteed to provide entertainment. Preach. What I love and what I'm looking forward to most, who here loves a good telenovela? I, everyone should raise their hand. Why? Peruvian, Michael. Uh, <laughs> it's in my DNA, buddy. <laughs> well, we love it because of the drama. And there is going to be more drama than even Yo Mama knows what to do with. No, no Yo Mama jokes, folks. But the, the drama of these World Cup qualifying playoffs is why I love this time of year. And there will be drama. I'm predicting and looking forward to some surprise winners going to the World Cup and qualifying through this stage. But you got to play the games. And you know, there, there's a lot of tradition and a lot of good teams playing against each other. And I like that. I love it. Bragging Tosin. rights. This is all bragging rights. I mean, listen, it's <laughs> it's so nice to beat your like you know your your cross you know town rival or like your your big rival like Nigeria being Ghana or Ghana being Nigeria like just smack talk. So again, like like Maya said, listen, 
I'm not telling you to watch this. I am pleading, watch this. Every <laughs> every one of these games, if you got a dual screen it, you got triple screen it, I got my triple screen <laughs> going here. Listen, it's going to be insane, and I'm so excited. Um, and I'm just so happy Victor Osman is back. That's that's like my last thing. Like, seeing Vic back just makes yeah. me so happy. And yeah. I think, for me, Victor Osman when it's all said and done, he's going to be up there where Eto'o is one of the greatest strikers to come out the country, uh, the continent, excuse me. So mm. that's that's my final thought. In the world, my friend. Uh, listen, and here's the thing about uh, my only final thought is I wish more African teams book seats uh, tickets to the World Cup because they deserve it. Uh, but what a fantastic preview. Tosin McKinney, of course. Michael Ahud, Mar Misahi. Uh, it's been fantastic to have you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for being part of this international break. By the way, you go to our YouTube channel. You go to our podcast, wherever you listen to them. We've got Conmebol. We've got Africa. We got UEFA. We got you covered. And we wrapped it with some exciting games to watch as the boys have mentioned. So thank you so much. Tosin, thank you, brother. Good luck with Nigeria. Thank you. Thank you. Michael, thank you, brother. I'm sure I'll see you soon, buddy. Always a pleasure. Cannot wait. I'll have my popcorn ready. Yeah. <laughs> Meyer Mazahi, keep up with the great content, my friend. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, it was nice talking. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Que Golazo Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Que Golazo CBS Sports, or wherever you listen to your podcast as well. I've been LME, Tozen McKinney, Michael LaHood, Myra Mazahi. We'll see you next time. Till then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.